Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to look around and see the family of faith coming together. How many know the Bible says where two or three come together? But not only does Jesus say he'll be in the midst, but he said he's going to answer prayer. Amen. He's going to move in our petitions before God. It is good to see each and every one of you. Amen. Welcome to the house of the Lord. We've got an awesome day ahead of us. We're going to continue on today, not only in the Word, but in partnership. So we pray today that, as, as Elder alluded to that, if, if you have not become a partner here at Harvest Point Church, we encourage you to stay. A partnership class is going to be immediately following uh, today's message. It'll be about 20 minutes, and you're just going to have a good time. We're going to celebrate you and celebrate our time together. It's going to be fruitful into the things of the Lord. And so I know many people have been attending uh, Harvest Point for already several months, and I know that in our transition and all the things that we've had to do to get over into the building, that there's probably some people have been waiting to connect to us in that way. So today, immediately following today's service, we're going to spend some time together. We're going to celebrate you and celebrate our togetherness in the Lord. We are in the very last message of the series entitled, What's Up? Will you look at your neighbor and say, What's Up? What's Up? What's Up, babe? So we are in the very last message of the series, What's Up? And, and today is marked giving. Amen. So what I'm going to have you to do is if, if you'll stand with me for the reading of the word of the Lord, we're going to be in the book, of, the book of Hebrews chapter 12. It's important that you hear this. I know I look around, I see a, a familiar faces and people that uh, know the ministry and have been part of Harvest Point Church for 20 plus years. Some of you are maybe new to the church and maybe this is, you know, maybe you've been here a year or two. And I think I can solemnly say, and I'm, I know I'm talking to people that tune in by stream, and I know there's hundreds of people that tune into our, 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 our Sunday stream, and they watch the stream and are part of it and know a lot about the ministry. They know a lot about me. And I want you to know that today I'm talking about giving. I'm talking about tithing. I'm talking about offering. But it's important that you know I want to give a precursor. I want to give a prelude, a forward. That many of you know that that it's been, you know, I, I could say maybe three or four years since I've actually talked on tithing. I don't want nobody to come in. This is your first time and say, man, I went to church and no, guess what the preacher was preaching about? Preaching about money, right? Preaching about giving. Or, or maybe you'll tune in by, you know, somebody's going to watch this uh, stream a week from today and they're a guest. And somebody said, hey, uh, tune into our, our, our stream channel. Watch watch." Uh, the ministry, get, get a little view of what's going on at our church, and they're going to say, oh, there goes a preacher talking about money. You know, as well as the members of our church know, that this is not a usual set of expressions uh, in, in my preaching cycle, uh, and, even if, and even in a preaching regimen, as many pastors have preaching regimens, uh, they regularly, on a quarterly basis, preach on giving and tithing. I don't do that. But it's important that you know the truth about giving. And it's important that you know the truth about tithing. And so I've come to do that today. I've come to talk to you about that today. So if you'll let me, I know it's been many, many years, even for our members, I pray that you'll hear this because it's giving is more than giving. And there's a connection to God through giving that you need to hear about because if you're not giving out of your connection to God, you're not giving in the right way. And so I want to empower your giving. I want when you give, I want you to give in such a way that you're empowered in that. And I would hope that after today's message, your giving and your devotion to the Lord and your finances will no longer be a struggle. Amen. It would be disingenuous for me to stand here and tell you that giving doesn't produce a blessing. It absolutely does. And I want to encourage you to participate in that blessing because God most certainly is behind that. 
And I want to help you to understand that in the teaching of the word of the Lord. So if you're with me, let's go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And I, and I want to read a passage of scripture you're probably already familiar with, but I'm just going to read it nonetheless. I know I've got many people in here who are students of the word of the Lord, uh, people who uh, are very diligent in the things of God and the word of the Lord. But I want you to hear this particular passage. We'll read it again. This is Hebrews chapter 12. I have a place for your Bible ribbon, and I'll give you that here in just a moment. There's a place I want to uh, maybe create a little a pivot point or a place where we can go back and investigate uh, some things of the Lord. And so I'll go back and revisit uh, here in just a, a moment, a place where you can put your Bible ribbon. We're going to go back and pick up some stuff there out of Hebrews chapter 11. But we're in Hebrews 12 right now, and I want to read a passage. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1 through 3, and it begins like this. Wherefore seeing, wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Touch your neighbor, say, somebody's watching you. Wherefore, seeing uh, that we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Paul says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now watch the focus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Watch your focus. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied faint in your minds. That you be wearied, watch this, and faint where? In your mind. Let's get that. Y'all ready to get over and get some of that? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word. We thank you for the word that's present among us. We thank you for the anointing that's present in the house of the Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what you do. We depend on you. Holy Spirit, take these words and impress them upon the hearts of the people of God, the minds of the people of God. We pray that that pressing and, that, and, that, and, and the pliableness of their heart and the tenderness of the people's hearts as they listen will come together to bear fruit into the kingdom of God. Not 30, not 60, but 100 times that which was sown. We pray your help, your strength, your purpose here amongst the family of faith. Move as only you could move, Holy Spirit. Father, do what only you require and desire for us to do. We pray that that all comes together to express your glory, your purpose right here at Harvest Point Church this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, before you see it, will you just go grab somebody, give somebody a hug, and I want you to tell them what's up, baby, what's up. Just grab somebody and just tell them what's up, just what's up, what's up.
Praise the name of the Lord. If you're new to the church and you want to know when I'm going to be finished preaching, just watch my handkerchief because I'll preach this thing right out of my jacket. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> watch my bow tie. I'll turn it upside down while I'm ministering. Amen. What's up? What's up? Check it out, church. It's important that you realize that the kingdom of heaven is a violent one. This particular condition within the church is lost because our culture is so passive. And in fact, could I suggest to you that the church has become so civilized it lacks the ruggedness of the violence that Jesus said it should possess. We are so easy about faith nowadays. It is imperative, it is paramount that you understand that the kingdom of heaven is violent. Give your neighbor a fist bump, say it's violent in here, baby. Essential that you have that. Could I suggest to you your labor in the kingdom of God would be subverted if you don't have the idea, the premise, the idea, the concentration that the kingdom of heaven is violent. Jesus gives this intimation of this violence. You're familiar with the passage. It's popular throughout all of Christendom. Jesus says it, St. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. From John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Uh, Jesus, in the 13th verse of that particular chapter, uh, gives a precedent to it, and he says this. From the law, from the prophets and the law prophesied until John. In other words, he's showing you that there is an apex, there is a climax. There was a zenith to this violence. And that violence began when Jesus began. And his ministry and his purpose here on earth, it became violent. Most people don't realize just how violent it is because that violence, if we're to understand the kingdom, that violence begins first in your own home. You have to understand that there's a background to this. Let me digress. We know that, that this passage, uh, St. Matthew 11, for those of you that study your Bible, you know what St. Matthew 11 is. This is the story of the place where John the Baptist sent two disciples to Jesus wanting to know if he truly is the Messiah or should they look for somebody else. I mean to know that when you're going through times of testing, you don't know who Jesus is sometimes. Touch your neighbor and say, he's talking about you, baby. That's you. you. You get all flustered. You forget about the name of Jesus, right? Essential that you see that these disciples came to Jesus wanting to know, uh, as, as a request of John, are you the Messiah? Now, remember who John the Baptist is. John the Baptist is a peculiar person. Not only is he a relative of Jesus... But he was baptized at the salutation of Mary to Elizabeth in his, in his mother's womb. This is a man that was filled with the Holy Ghost. 
he had the solemn task to identify who the Messiah was. And he did just that. How many know the story? St. Matthew 3, where he saw Jesus come to the river Jordan. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. We know the story. Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan. How many know this story? Where the Bible says the heavens opened and lightning came upon him. And the Spirit of God descended like a dove and rested on him. And a voice from heaven was heard saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And yet when John was going through his time of testing... He lost focus on Jesus. He was wearied in his mind. Jesus does what Jesus does. He quotes back to the disciples of John, the Bible. He quotes back Isaiah 29. Some of y'all maybe heard it, uh, uh, Isaiah 29, and then uh, Isaiah 61 is similar. We know Isaiah 61 from the Bible. That's out of Luke 4, where Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, a recovering of sight to the blind, to, 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 to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We know these passages. And he quotes it back to John the Baptist's disciples to take back. And I love what Jesus says. Go back and show John the things you do hear and see. The lame walk. The deaf hear. The blind see. Lepers are cleansed dead is raised. Go back and show John. In other words, go back and show him that you can participate in the kingdom. <laughs> you see, the kingdom is violent. Go back and let him know that the kingdom is moving forcefully. Now, some translations say the kingdom of heaven is moving forcefully and violent men forcefully lay hold to it. Preceding chapter. St. Matthew 10, you know these passages that Jesus said, listen, I didn't come to send peace on the earth. I did not come to send peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man at variance with his own father. And a daughter against her own mother. And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And then Jesus says this, and I wish that I could frame this somewhere. I wish I could put this up. If we had a bulletin, it'd be in the bulletin this morning. How many remember bulletins in the church? We, you know, that's old school. But if I had a bulletin, I'd put it up there for you. I, I, I'd put it on a post note. I'd make you, you know, walk around with it on your forehead all week long. Just so that you can get this premise. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said that the enemies that a man would have would be they of his own household. For a man's foes shall be they of his own household. That means this battle, this warfare is going to start first in your own house. Brothers and sisters, listen, I'm talking about relationship with God. Listen, if you're going to get real with the kingdom of heaven, if you're going to get real with its violence, that violence starts first at home. The violence begins there. And if that violence hasn't happened to you, if you haven't had that violence in your home, friend, I'm here to tell you, you're not part of the kingdom of God yet. Because that kingdom first is intimate with God. Because it's about family. 
Jesus said, if a man loves his father more than me, he's not worthy of me. And if a daughter loves her mother more than me, she cannot follow me. I mean, it's a violent kingdom. It's violent because we need the sword to separate. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're going to have to prioritize. How many know some of y'all's lives need some prioritizing? The Spirit of the Lord works in us to produce a climate such that God is number one. The Holy Spirit is in your life to produce the greatest commandment of them all. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind. He's trying to produce in you the ability to prioritize that God always remains on top. Touch your neighbor and say, Jesus, got to, Jesus said, God got to be number one. If he ain't number one, he's nothing at all. The, the, the issue of this, of this relationship with God revolves around the idea, the premise that God identifies himself, listen to this, as father. Let me say that one more time. God, listen, identifies himself as father. Let me say it one more time because people don't understand just how relational this is because we're talking family we're talking our homes we're talking about prioritizing we're talking about violence we're talking about moving the kingdom it begins at home Be because this process with God right is about family God identifies himself as father. Do you know that God could have identi himself, identified himself any way he wanted to identify himself? And if God saw fit, he could have identified himself through wrath. Which we all were appointed to that, except Jesus came. It's essential that you understand the nature of God. He comes as father. Now Paul uh, to me, gives to me the highest accreditation the highest exposition of that understanding. This is what Paul says. Uh, some of y'all know Romans 8, very popular chapter in all of Christian. Uh, Romans 8, pardon me. R Roman, Romans chapter 8, Paul says this, verse 15. He says this. For you've not been given a spirit of bondage again unto fear. Catch this. But you've been given the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Whereby we say, Daddy. Somebody say, Daddy. Yeah, We cry, Father. Paul says, the Spirit itself beareth witness with your spirit, our spirit, that we are what? The children of God. This is family. You see, the kingdom of heaven forcefully advances because it's family. Because the sword is here first before it's anywhere else. This is family, baby. This is blood. You know, I remember back in the day, we used to go to school and say, what's up, blood? In Spanish, sometimes they say, what's up, carnal? That's to say, what's up, flesh? Friend, this is carnal. This is, this is blood. This is... This is family. Give your neighbor a high five right now. Say, this is family, man. This is, this is family. 
Paul says that the spirit is out bearing with with our spirit, that we're the children of God. Then he says this, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. I don't know about you, but that sounds good. Heirs of God. Join heirs with Jesus. Let me say that one more time. An heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. I mean, come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's amazing. It's amazing how great that is. Heirs of God. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him. Now there's a disclaimer. See, you got to suffer some. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to suffer some in here. How many know when you get around family, you're going to suffer just because you got a family? Come on, somebody. There's going to be some issues and problems and, you know, it's family. This is what it is. And it gets dirty here. This is where you get dirt underneath your nails because it's family. Do I talking to somebody that you've got family and you know that when you got family, things get emotional. Things get problematic. Their struggle becomes your struggle. When they're hurting, you're hurting. This is family, church. you got to understand, we are here because we are family. And if you don't get that in your spirit, you can't advance the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of heaven advances by family. God chose to make it that way. See, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs of Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And then Paul says this, for I reckon that the, present, the suffering at this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. There's a glory in here. There's a glory in here. There's a glory in here. Why? Because this is all part of the master plan of God. The kingdom of heaven forcefully advancing through family. I think there's a lot of people when they read their Bible, they don't see family in it. That we read it for every application under the sun and we know all the theology about it. And if you're like me and I'm like you, I'm a student of this word. I love this thing. But if I don't read it out of the lens that this is my family. I know the first lady sometimes is sometimes maybe just rolls her eyes at me. Sometimes I, 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 you know, when I get in my prayer closet, you know, have you ever cried over Paul's beheading? Have you wept at the martyrdom of your brothers who were the apostles who wrote this book to you? Do you weep over the suffering over the church over the ages? Are you connected that way? I am. And you know what? There's a lot of people. Just a few days ago, I had somebody tell me, hey, you know what, Pastor? I sent in my DNA to Ancestry.com. Now, let me stop and tell you something. Be careful who you give your DNA to. Touch your neighbor. Say, he's talking about you. I don't know what they're going to do with that DNA one day. They may flip that DNA on you. I don't know what all that means. I don't want nobody having my DNA. You got to get my permission. I'm going to sign a waiver. You got you to you give me some money if you're going to get my DNA. <laughs> but, 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 but this person gave their DNA, and they found that they had relatives. They, they found out their origin, where they're from, and they were so interested in finding out, oh, I had a family member. They were from Europe, and then that person went over here, and then the, the, the immigration services on the registration, I, I saw my great-great-grandfather's signature, and that's wonderful. I have no problem with that. 
But there's a signature right here. Brother and sister, listen. This is where I come from. I have a spirit of adoption. This is my origin. This is my, this is my genealogy. This is where I come from. This is the totality of the sum of my life. And all the background that I could ever dream of knowing, I know it right here on these pages. And I'm here to tell you my family suffered to get me in this position right here. And it takes a level of maturity for some of us to start realizing that you didn't get to where you are right now without the help of some people in your life. And we know we've got a lot of immature people in the world. A lot of people don't know it took a lot to get you to that place. It took a lot to get you there, baby. You didn't get there all by yourself. There's some people that paid the price for you. I've got some family in here. Listen, I've got some family in here. If you love the church like you love their children, there would never be a need in the house of the Lord. And that's what God is talking about. He's talking about the warfare that produces a family, that that family fights together and it stays together and it moves together and it advances the kingdom together because we're all connected together by the blood of Jesus. Listen, the Bible is full of suffering. How many know the Bible is full of suffering? Well, who suffered? My family suffered. My family suffered. My brothers and sisters suffered. You, you know, we look at Harvest Point Church and we just think, well, there they are on Matlock, 2271 Matlock Road, Mansfield, Texas. We think we're just one little spot. Listen, we are part of the collective force of the kingdom of heaven moving forward until Jesus returns. Uh, we're just one little family, one little piece of a great big machine. I'm part of the kingdom. It's my desire to pay the sacrifice. Whatever God needs me to do, he can have it because this is my family. This is what my family died for. This is what my Jesus gave up his life for. This is what the apostles were martyred for. This is a big thing, church. And your giving is a big thing. And I'm living in a culture that trivializes it. P people will say to you, oh, you gave that much to the church. Are you crazy? You, you gave a thousand to the preacher, man. Are you lost your mind? They see your tithing report and they say, man, you know what you could have done with that $10,000? Listen, I have heard this said before, and I'm going to get into some text, so don't think I'm, I, I, I'm stalling. I'm going to get into some stuff because, you know, if, if I opened up your checkbook or your registry and I saw what you spent your money on, you spend your money on what you love. And, 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 and I'm old school. I still have a checkbook. If you went through my checkbook registry, you know where I spend my money? My money is spent on family. Both in heaven and on earth. Because that's where my heart is. Because you know what Jesus said, your treasure is where you, yeah, 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 yeah. My brother Abel was the first person on earth 
who said, I want to get back with God. When all the earth had fallen away, and generations were being born, and, and people were living, nobody wanted to get back to God. The oral tradition was there. I promise you that, that, that Adam and Eve passed that oral tradition down to their children. This is what it used to be. I, I, I tell my wife all the time, I'm not happy with the church. I want the glory back. Give your neighbor a high five. Say, we want the glory back at Harvest Point. I don't want you coming to Harvest Point Church because we got a good kids program, youth program. And though we should have one, listen, the primary purpose is the glory. That should be the driving motivation of our attendance. We're coming to the house of God because the glory of God is there. Let the kingdom of heaven manifest. That there's power in the house of God. But my brother Abel said, I want to get back with God. Do you know that Abel uh, wanted to get back with God? He knew enough to say, I've got to come with an offering. I want relationship. Now, if you're tuning in right now, you just happen to turn on, and you say, well, there go another preacher talking about giving. Hold tight. It's bigger than that. Do, do, do you know that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, in the annals of the heroes of faith, Abel is listed? It said, by faith... Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And by it obtained witness, listen, that he was righteous. In other words, he did the right thing. God testified of his gifts. And though he be dead, yet speaketh. Friend, do you know that it was right that Abel said, I want to entertain God again, so I'm going to give a gift to God. When he came, his brother decided to come too, except he brought his gift. The fruit of the land that he tilled. And the Bible says that when God saw the gifts, he had respect unto Abel's and had no respect for Cain's. And the Bible says that when Cain saw that God had no respect for the pumpkins and watermelons and cantaloupes and grapefruit and oranges, whatever he brought to God, God said, I'm not after that. You understand that the earth is his and the fullness thereof. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your pumpkins. He doesn't need your leeks, your melons. But he saw that Abel brought the firstlings of his flock and presented the fat thereof unto God. And God said, this is what I'm after. I want the first of it. The Bible says that, that Cain, rather than going back to his brother and say, hey, listen, can I barter with you the ability to get what you have so I can give it to God? But the Bible says that he got mad, he got wroth. And the Bible said his countenance fell. And God said to Cain, Cain, why are, you, why are you robbed? Why did your countenance fall? And you know today we got a lot of people in the church whose countenance is falling. We've got a lot of people in the church and out of the church that are telling people not to tithe and to give their offerings to God. Angry people. Because they don't understand the sum of it all. Do you know that, that that revelation came to Cain as a revelation on how to entreat God. 
we know that as we pass through the Bible, Genesis chapter 4, Cain produces that which was right with God. It was righteous. We know that when we get to the 14th chapter of Genesis, there we find a man by the name of Abraham who gets a revelation. He gets a revelation about tithing. Somebody say tithe. Tithe is a tenth, a ten. Do you know that the number ten is always a place of testing? Because it's suffering, it's kingdom. Uh, you know, the number ten. How many plagues came on Egypt? Ten. How, it's a test. How many commandments are there? Ten. It's a test. Friend, you hear that? When Daniel, in Daniel 1, when he was tested by his dad, he went ten days. The church at Smyrza, Jesus said, you'll be tempted, you'll be tested for ten days. Ten is a number of testing. And, and he got the revelation, Abraham, the father of faith, to whom Jesus says, if you were truly the children of Abraham, you would do as Abraham does. You see, Abraham had a revelation of the tithe. First time we ever hear it. People say, preacher, is tithing biblical? Absolutely it's biblical. It's in the Bible. It's tithing. We know how Abraham tithed. It was, it, it, he had the spoils of war. You know that the kings came against the king of Saddam where his nephew Lot was. And they not only ransacked Saddam, but they actually took Lot as a slave. Abraham went back to deliver him. And on their way back to Shiva, Mekiljadek, the king of Salem, who Hebrews chapter 7 said had no parents. He didn't have a mother, didn't have a father, didn't have a beginning. He's ancient. The Bible knows, we know that it foretells that he is a precursor of the person Christ. That there Abraham said, here's one greater than I. I'm going to give him a tenth of the victory. It was just a revelation. I don't know how many more times Abraham might have tithed. The Bible doesn't tell me. But I know that that lineage, because it's kingdom and because it's family, passed down to his son Jacob. In the 28th chapter of Genesis, Jacob went to a place called Luz, which later he called Bethel. This is a place where he laid down and made a pillow out of rocks and stones. And he said he had a dream and the heavens opened. And a ladder descended from it, and angels were ascending and descending. And he said, surely this is the house of God. He was going back into a place. He had to confront his brother Esau. And, and the Bible says that he said, Lord, if you're with me, if you go with me, and if you, if you keep clothes on my back, and you feed me, and you make it go well, then when I come back, I'm going to give you a tenth of everything I possess. It was a revelation given to him of tithing. That revelation of right doing was made into a law given to the nation of Israel by a man by the name of Moses. Now, I already know what you're thinking because I am talking about the Mosaic law. It is amazing to me to run into Christians that place no precedent in the law. Now, let me teach you something about the law that you may not already know. Do, do you know that the law is holy? Uh, the, the, the law was made somewhat like a mirror so that you could step in front of the mirror of the law to see yourself for what you truly are. It was, it was like a schoolmaster. It was a mirror that could reflect back to you your condition before God. 
And in that Mosaic law, I want you to hear that God had to make a law to command people to do what they should have already been doing. How many did they know that the law was not made for the righteous? How many did they know that if you went down to the courthouse, there's laws on the books about all sorts of things that people do, but it wasn't written for you. It was written for that crazy dude out there on the side of the street going to, do, going to act up, going to, something going to happen. And do you know that, that, that speed limits were made because somebody thought it'd be fun to buzz down Interstate 20 150 miles an hour? And so somebody said, we, we, we've got to make a law to prohibit people from doing the wrong things. And laws were made to force people to do what's right. Listen, listen, the law is still in effect. You say, well, how so, preacher? Listen, I know that Jesus fulfilled the law. I know that. And a lot of people say, well, listen, I'm not bound to those things of yesteryear and the things of the law. But let me ask you a question, a pointed question, an honest question. Do you know that the Bible says we shouldn't commit adultery? It's in the law. Are we saying now that Jesus is here, we no longer are bound by that law? It's still holy, it's still right. Are you telling me today it's okay to lie? Because Jesus died on the cross, now lying is permissible. I'm here to tell you, it's still wrong. It's still error. Are you telling me it's okay to steal? Or to violate the commandments in any way, shape, and form? For in fact, if you were really in the Holy Spirit... You would be satisfying those things. You would be living above that measure. And I live in a culture and a generation who doesn't understand there's a principle. And while people are investigating the scriptures, trying to find things and errors and problems and issues and how to get out of this and how to get out of that, what they're missing is this is family and this is the kingdom of God. And there are principles here. Principles that guide our belief system, how, how we maneuver through. It's a principle. Tithing is a principle. And, and, and I pray that you remember that. The Father himself says, how will a man rob God? He robs me in his tithing offerings. He, he robs me because he doesn't do the right thing. Touch your neighbor and say, why are you so sad now? You... Why did your countenance fall? You, you, you see, when the preacher talks about giving, this should be a place where there's excitement. Because now we're participating in the suffering of the kingdom of heaven. We're able to give to God something that is a sacrifice for us. And we're giving it to God because we see the family forcefully advancing the kingdom of heaven until Jesus returns. I want to give to God because I believe in the kingdom of God. I believe what the church is doing. I believe where it's going. I believe we're here for a purpose. I believe I'm part of one great big genealogy of people who sacrifice their lives. Oh, I wish I had a witness right there. I love the church. I love the people of the church. I love the family of faith. You're my family. You're my family. I've often pointed to this scripture where Jesus is talking to the scribes. And I'll quote the scripture. People say, well, that was before Jesus died. Let me just read it. St. Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 
For you pay tithe of men in the east and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. These ought you to have done, and not to leave the other undone. You see, Jesus affirms the tithing, but when you say that to some people, some of the current philosophy of our day, some of the current theology of our day, people will say, well, that was before Jesus died on the cross. Is that so? You really believe that? So what you're telling me is that because Jesus died on the cross, now you don't have to give? Is that what you're saying? You don't have to tithe because Jesus died on the cross? Uh, let, let me read it to you the way Paul reads it. This is what I call the ghetto side of faith. I mean, you know, there's, you know, always a ghetto somewhere. I don't care what city it is. I've been all over the world. I've been, I've been downtown London. London got a ghetto side. Trust me, I went through it. I mean, no, Dallas got a ghetto. I believe, I trust me, I've been through it. I don't want to say the city's name because you might be living there. I don't want to get you get offended. They made fun of my neighborhood. Listen, I'm here to tell you that there's a ghetto everywhere. Faith has a ghetto. Watch Paul. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon of, uh, and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. This is my family, baby. This is what we've been doing from the history of the world. He says, women received back the dead, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And here it begins. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. This is our family. This is our brothers and sisters being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, listen to this, received not the promise. Hold on a minute. The, the people that we say we're disconnected to, the, the people that lived under the Mosaic law, that lived under the rigors of that law, that lived under that schoolmaster, these people who never had a promise, who could never know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't know about the blood of the Lamb. They didn't know what it is to walk in liberty. They didn't know the grace of God. They didn't know how good God was. Are you telling me that these people back then, our family, our brothers and sisters, who never knew what it was to know, to be called a child, to know that they are the child of God by the blood of Jesus, this spirit of adoption that confesses to us that we're the family of God. Are you telling me today that if they paid a tenth into something they, they could never receive the promise. And now that Jesus died 
He says, God having provided something better, some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Do you know that the bar has been raised? That now Jesus says to you, I want everything. Let me say that one more time because I must be talking to Cain this morning because people are just putting their head down and they're getting angry and they're getting wroth. I don't want to hear this. Think about why you don't want to hear it. God wants everything. It's the warfare of the kingdom. It's the intimacy. It's the family warfare where we get in and we do the real dirty work. So when God says, this is what I want, you say to him, God, have it all. It's yours anyway. Lord, here it is. I give it to you. I gladly, this is, this, this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to advance the kingdom of God. And if my money is part of it, let it be. I, I have to stop. Maybe you wish I could keep going. Maybe you wish I had never started. This past week while I was in my prayer closet, weeping over the church. I do that regularly. I weep for the church because this ain't it. And I have just enough memory to remember how, how this was church. How the altar was how people came and made a transaction with God. And the anointing would come. And, and people's bondages and their addictions and things would be broken. And the church was full of power and ability. And, and, and now what we got is, 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 is blood suckers just sucking away at the, at the essence, the blood of the church. Telling you, you don't have to be at church but once a week. You do remember that the early church went every day, right? And that they gave everything, and so they had to live together, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Won't, yeah we don't want to go back to that, right? No, no, no. You know, yeah. I mean, I love you, brother, but you, I'm glad you stay over there and I stay over here. <laughs> you know, I don't mind. You know, I don't want to hear all that snoring and yik yakking at night. You know, I don't want to be bothered by people. You know, I don't even like to be around people and all the things that, you know. Listen, the early church sacrificed. I lay in my closet there weeping for the church and the spirit reminded me, he says, preacher, you know about Ananias and Sapphira. You, you remember that little pair, right? They sold some land, but they kept a portion back and they wanted to come back to church and said, this is all the money we got from the land. And how many know they both died at the feet of the apostles? Why? Because God doesn't want any imposters. God doesn't want a hypocrite. Man, listen, church, the hypocrisy needs to be called out. And God will send somebody like me, a minister, a man of God, who you know my integrity, you know how I live, you know who I am, for me to call out that hypocrisy. Stop being a hypocrite to the things of God. 
And don't let the enemy blow smoke in your head and tell you that your giving doesn't substantiate the purposes of God right now. Listen, you need to give your tithe and your offering to move the kingdom forward because this is the family business and this is what we do for God. Could I suggest to you to bring everything you have to God and lay it at his feet and say, here it is, Lord. Do whatever you need to do. I, I, I say this. Thank you, Daniel, for coming to the keyboard because we need some ambiance. We need to lighten the atmosphere. First of all, let me say to you, I love giving. Uh, I, I, I'm a tither plus some. Listen, that little 10% stuff, I left that baby walk a long time ago. I love giving to God. I just love it. I love giving to people. And if I have money in my pocket, the Spirit of the Lord can say, go over there. I just give it away. I, I, I just, I love giving. If I have it to give you, I'll give it to you. I don't, I'll give you the shirt off my back. I'll put gas in your car, whatever. You're hungry, come eat at my house. My table has plenty of food. It's such a joy to give. You know, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Uh, I'll finish. I gotta stop. How's my handkerchief doing? It's almost out. It grows while I preach. It comes up on. In fact, go, go ahead and stand. I just I I I I know all these things by memory, by heart. You know, I've almost I I memorize scripture all the time. I just love reading the word. I just walk around reciting it, man. You know, it's like eating. It's like eating honeycomb. Just it's sweet on my mouth, sweet on my lips. I just love it. It's it's like nourished bread. I just enjoy eating it. You, you know, in in Saint Mark chapter fourteen, at the very end of that, the Bible says that Jesus was there by the treasury, and people were coming by, wealthy people, people of of prominence, people of position. I'm sure it was, you know, I, I would suppose. If, let's say, I said, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Put your hands together and help me welcome to the stage none other than Jesus Christ himself. And suppose Jesus came walking out on stage. And he picks up the offering. And you literally have to hand him your offering. He, he gets to look at it. Oh, I'm sure y'all be here. Five thousand, everybody be coming. But there was this woman in the very back. All she had was two dollars. But it's all she has. And she comes and she puts in everything. You know what Jesus said? He said, listen, I got news for everybody. This is what happened. People were coming. People were positioned prominence. People were giving, giving, giving. And they were giving in a lot. They were giving out of their surplus. But, but a woman came. Listen, she gave what they call two mites a farthing, which is to say almost a penny. Almost a penny. But it was all that she had. This was her living. This, is, this was her food that day. This was it all. And see, I still, see, but a lot of people, kids, you know what, how many, how many today, if you're walking and you see a coin, you still pick it up? How many still do that? If you still do that, you're old school. 
You, you know why we pick it up? Because we remember the time when you could buy three pieces of gum for a penny. But remember those days where when you found a penny, oh, check it out, put it in your pocket. Man, you found a nickel, you felt like, man, you had, you had a quarter. I'm going to do some damage at the candy store. Uh, you know, nowadays, like, oh, penny, I keep on walking. Change, I don't need that. But this woman came put in everything she had to God and Jesus says listen I tell you the truth this woman's given more than all of you because see you gave out of your abundance she gave out of her living all that she had she gave it to God you see the kingdom of heaven is transitioned now we give everything now we give everything to God you know why because it's family you know I, I have a I have a, a my little a grandson I got one and I exist solely to spoil that boy. He's the love of my life. First lady will tell you I'll just be walking around and I'll just say, I love you, little boy. You know, he's not even there, but I love him. And so this past Christmas, first lady, you know, she's a little more frugal than I am. And she said, everybody's on a spending limit. I says, not everybody. There's one little boy get whatever he wants. And I'm going to buy it for him because I love him. He's family. You see, I'm part of the family of faith, and I give because I want to see the family of faith move the kingdom of heaven forward together because I believe glory will be revealed in our collective work. I don't know if you know this building, somebody somewhere in the history of this church sacrificed for this. We're standing in the sacrifices of those, right? So we're not standing alone. We're standing in their sacrifice. And some of you know that, that as you get a little bit more mature, you begin to see the continuous work of the kingdom of heaven. And today, listen, your sacrifice is going to be where somebody else stands. Your giving is where somebody else comes to know the Lord, where somebody's gifts and abilities come to advance the kingdom of heaven forward. And if you don't see the kingdom of heaven as family and as the purposes of God, you're not giving right. You're not giving out of the joy of advancing the kingdom of God forward. So, so this woman, she gave everything. And so I want you to hear that. Let's do this. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. And, and, and I'm going to ask the glory of God to come. Okay, can we just, we'll just bow our heads. I'm not going to keep you long. I'm going to dismiss you here in just a second. And in fact, it, 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 while, you're, while you're praying, I just want you to consider what I said. And I just want you to, to, to in your heart, fathom, think, Think it through the scriptures. Think it through the Bible. This is not an emotional decision. This is the decision you're making with full reconnaissance of the, of the history of the church. That tithing and offering and giving, could we even say is superseded that Jesus says, I want it all. Give, give to me a sacrifice. Let's suffer together. How many of you know that giving sometimes creates a suffering? And sometimes what you give here, you can't give somewhere else. And that's why Jesus says, you've got to go to your family first. You've got to make a decision. Is God number one? Is God number one? Or, or is your wife number one in her needs, her conditions, or your children or grandchildren or whatever that may be? God says, I want to be number one. This is family church. This is a kingdom of heaven forcefully advancing through the auspice of family, through the connection of blood one to another. 
And this is where the glory is produced. And the, God reveals himself here. And I just want you real quickly, just, just go through the, think through what I told you. Say, you know what? Jesus deserves it all. I'm living in the promise.